Welcome to another episode of the Physically Jackson Financially Stacked Podcast. I'm sure Matt will like the name of this. <laughs> so today we've got a very special guest, uh, Mr. Matt Haycock. So Max, uh, sorry, Matt is an entrepreneur, investor, and a big networker here in Dubai who was very fortunate to speak on his podcast and also got invited on a boat in a very nice networking uh, event. Uh, he's also recently had his second child recently, so huge congratulations on that. So thank you very much for your time today, Matt. Thanks for having me, buddy. One thing that, um, to get into things, firstly really brought me into you is that when I first found out about you and you invited me on the podcast, is your background in terms of um, where you started from, your initial success, and how it all went tits up and you like rose from the ashes again. Would you may mind explaining a short synopsis into that backstory? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll make it short. If you want me to flesh make it out, exciting, Let's make flesh it out any, any any bits I can do, uh, I can do. But um, look, long story short, I always wanted to be um, in business. You know, I, n- I never particularly knew what business I wanted to be in. I just knew I wanted to be a business owner, which, if anything, back in the kind of early nineties, was more because it, that was perceived as the only real way to make any, make any money. You know, if you wanted to be rich if you wanted to be a millionaire you know you had to own your own business so I spent my teenage years you know reading every business book every business biography I could get my hands on my dad was also um, a, a business owner himself so and obviously that that rubbed off me in in some way shape or form and like I said I spent my 13 14 15 16 17 trying everything from selling selling plastic cushions at the market to you know to selling Tamagotchi pets to you know I was also a magician so I, I used to do table magic for two years in a, in a local Italian restaurant anything I could to to make money finished my A-levels my parents were very pro-education particularly my mum uh, I think that was a combination of the fact that you know my mum had never being able to do the educational career she wanted to do, I think she got uh, she got TB or something or pneumonia uh, when she was a, in a GCSE, so she never did education thereafter. So she kind of I think wanted to live her educational life through me and used to push my A levels on me and push my reunion on me. But also back in the you know the kind of mid to late nineties, if you didn't have a university degree you would very much find it difficult to, you know, to get any kind of placement in, in, in a corporate environment. I mean, I think it was almost, I'd go as far as to say, if you didn't have a university degree, then you'd be thought of as a failure, really. So my parents very much pushed me into it. I didn't want to do it just because I, I kind of knew in my head that I, um, I was always going to own my own business. The university degree wouldn't add any value. And if anything, it was holding me up three or four years of getting started. I managed to convince my parents to not make me go to uni. Uh, it took it took a year off, and I uh, kind of said, "Look, I'm going to you know try and make my millions during this year off, and if I fail, then uh, I can go back to uni in a year's time, and we just consider it a gap year, like uh, like all my friends were taking, so it doesn't really hold me up." And and off I went, and uh, my dad had just invested in a in a uniform business at the time. Um, it was a they made corporate clothing for bus drivers, security guards, and nurses. Uh, and I went there to work in the sales department. Uh, my dad was a very passive investor, you know, too passive as as the story goes on. And um, I was looking at this business that was just being ruined on a daily basis by the the incumbent management team and the old family that used to own it. And I was still living with my parents at the time, so I used to go home every night, kind of banging on the t- on the dinner table, saying, "Dad, you know they're they're screwing you. You know they're taking the piss here. They're losing your money." Um, you know, you've got to come in, you know, get back to work and come and do something about it. And he kind of agreed with me. You know, he used to say, I don't, you know, I don't disagree with you, but I just can't be bothered. You know, I've just retired after 30 years of business. I've had 30 years of business, I've had 25 years of your mother. <laughs> you know, the, the, the last thing I need to do is, is, is come in there. And I think because he had some cash around him at the time, it then made him lazy. And he was, you know, happy to, I guess, lose the cash and save the time. 
after two or three months of my bleatings, he finally gave in and said, you know what, uh, just go in there and do something with it yourself. You know, he never gave me the business. He just basically said, you can't fuck it up as much as uh, any worse than anybody else has done. So, so go and do your worst. And I went in the next day, uh, fired everybody, everybody apart from this little old fellow who works in the warehouse, a guy called Bob, I can still remember him to this day. Uh, and we re- re- restarted the business from scratch, not because I knew what, what I should be doing or what, what was right. I kind of just knew that everything they were doing was wrong and it was going to be it was going to be baptism by fire, you know, trial and, trial and error. Uh, and over the next three years, we dealt with every conceivable problem you could imagine. I mean, we had suppliers who weren't suppliers. We had non-existent customers. We had to we had to reinvent the whole product range and, and decide how we were going to go to market. Had to restaff the business. We had to rebuild relationships with the bank. You know, operational issues, marketing issues, everything possible, um, everything possible that could go wrong had gone wrong, and everything that you know that needed fixing needed fixing by me. Uh, and when I started with the business, we were losing about three hundred thousand pounds a year. And after three years, we made thirty grand. It was our, our first first annual profit. And I guess you know the, it was it wasn't the amount of money. You know, it was just a, just a, the sheer fact of the turnaround and the learning curve, and that you know we'd taken this loss making business. Uh, and I'd you know learnt, uh, I guess at the time, what felt like everything I needed to learn during that time. I was I was then bored really because I think at that point I, you know I I realised back then and know now that you know I I like the cut and thrust of um, of being an entrepreneur of coming up with an idea and of executing on that idea you know I'm not a manager of people I can't really you know do long term management and strategy and um, and it was time for me to leave I left my dad that actually did then come back in because he was a lot more let's say disciplined and structured and managerial than me and I I went on my way to go and um, to go and do the next chapter of my life which was going to be in leisure uh, I wanted to open bars and clubs not because I knew anything about them uh, but I just thought so you know as a 21 22 year old guy uh, who doesn't want to own a bar because all that money that goes over the over the till must be yours to keep and we get to drink beer and meet girls so you know what what, what a what a perfect business so um, I opened a community pub just uh, obviously you're English you know what these grotty little community pubs alike on a, you know on one of the worst council estates in Leeds and it was you know it ticked over it was semi-successful had two or three of these over the next year or two period uh, but I knew that uh, I couldn't make enough money from selling alcohol alone certainly not selling alcohol at that price and those margins so I um, I wanted to add something else to the income stream something else to the income mix you know whether it was going to be you know promoters and DJs or door money or ticket money food whatever uh, but in my personal life back then I was spending pretty much every free hour in the local strip club uh, and the, uh, the the amount of time I was spending there all the all the girls I knew the manager the staff kind of in my head qualified me to understand the the, the business model of uh, being a strip club owner and I was going to go and add that to my leisure knowledge um, and that that was how I was going to find you know high, high margin low overhead business so I poached a guy who was uh, the manager or the assistant manager of the, lo- of the local club found a venue in Wakefield uh, and opened uh, opened my first trip club back in March 2004. So, um, and I guess that was then really the beginning of chapter number three for me. Which you know, over the next three or four years, uh, I got introduced to uh, to a finance broker. I mean, I knew nothing about raising money at that point. And it's funny because when I left the uniform business, you know, I always say I kind of dealt with every problem imaginable, learnt everything there was I needed to learn. You know, more things were thrown at me than any other business owners probably had in their entire life or 99% of other business owners have had in their entire life. 
But then when I left there and then went into the leisure business, it was like, wow, I'm kind of back to square one again because you know this, this is a whole new sector, a whole, whole, whole new industry and a whole new learning curve. So by the, by the time I'm on chapter three, I'm then back to, back to the beginning again of all these things I know, but now I don't know how to raise money. Um, so really le- spent my time over the next three or four years growing that business by by acquisition uh, and by opening new venues, but always by by raising more and more money. I mean, look, it was a time back then when it was kind of easy to raise money. Um, you, know, you know, the early to mid 2000s, you know, every lender wanted to lend. Um, and, you know, if you were a borrower with any kind of concept or any kind of track record, you know, you could borrow that money. Uh, grew that business by 2008. I was the biggest strip club operator in the UK. Um, I had... 11 strip clubs, 65 bars and pubs, restaurants, shops, property portfolio, you know, eight-figure eight figure business, uh, you know, but by, by anybody's count. Um, and then with the onset of the credit crunch, uh, the fact that my lenders then tightened up and ultimately pulled the plug, and I was completely over-leveraged, uh, completely undercapitalized, and within the space of about three or four weeks, went from, you know, eight-figure business to losing the lot overnight, uh, and was declared uh, both corporately and personally bankrupt in I think it was September 2008 now, and uh, lost 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 a lot overnight. And um, on we go to chapter number four. It's probably time for me to take a breath and you to ask a question, right? So that's obviously a bit of a whirlwind and, and a very quick roller coaster from where you started up. One thing I really liked is how you started so young. Do you think, in some respects, because you started so young, you were like clear-minded? You didn't have preconceived ideas about stuff in terms of business. So you were open to. You didn't have like bad habits ingrained in some respects. I mean, maybe, maybe no preconceptions of life. I mean, I'm not sure it would have made it any difference to me in business if I was five years older or 25 years older. I mean, I guess that would have depended how I'd how how I'd spent that time. I mean, maybe if I'd have owned different businesses, then I would have had different thought processes or bit or behaved differently when I did it. Um, or maybe if I was just, you know, older and longer in the tooth, you know, I, I wouldn't have maybe taken the risks and, and stuff and, and stuff that I, I did do. I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, it's funny because I sometimes, you know, talk to my, my dad, you know, he's um, he's still um, a, a businessman himself now. You know, he's, he's had a lot of ups and downs along along the way. And unfortunately, you know, he's more in the down phase now. And, you know, I try and push him, push him on things to do. And he always talks to me about the fact that we're in very different stages of our life. And that you know I can take the risks I take because I'm I'm young Your enough. Time. I'm young enough to have the time ahead of me, which I understand what he's saying, uh, or I kind of get the concept. But I also then think that whether I was 42 or 72, I'd still be doing the same things I'm doing because it, you know it's 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 ingrained in me really. And I think you know uh, for me a. Uh, a life without risk would be boring, but I don't mean that in a let's say a reckless way. You know, like uh, I, I don't want to do a parachute jump with without a parachute. You know, I, I, th- I think that you know there's there's logic and a mitigants to everything I do. Uh, but I think you know ultimately, you know, you're either a, a risk taker and a grower, or you're not. And um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I'd have done things differently um, if I, if I'd have been older. I would definitely do things differently now. You know, no, no, knowing what I've learned over the last twenty five years. But um, but yeah, in terms of obviously going from an eight figure business to zero in a very short period of time, how did you mentally handle that process? Because what I see with working with a lot of younger entrepreneurs, their fear of failure like throttles them so much that that's probably the biggest thing that holds them back. That they're worried about fucking up. And the reality is that a lot of the time I say to them is like. 
it's probably not going to be that bad if even it happens. If you think the worst case, like if I look at the worst case scenario for me, if everything fucked up and I lost everything, I move in with my parents who live in Marbella in Spain and I'd probably end up PTing people and it's that's not the end of the world until I got back on my feet. I think it was it was never, never particularly difficult for me. Um, and I think that's not so much that I was mentally strong, but I think the issues that get in the way for anyone are ego yeah. and also normally their partner. I was going to say a woman, but I don't want to be sexist, but, you know, whether 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 it's a, a, a man or man or woman, um, that, t- that, you know, typically, um, I guess, that they're interfering or, or, you, or you're, do, you're doing things based on them. You know, I... I was quite comfortable to lose the money because A, I knew I was going to make it back at some point. You know, B, I'd always had a very clear uh, rule with, you know, my ex-wife she was at the time or any woman I've been in a serious relationship with in that if you're not bringing any money to the table, don't discuss mine with me in the slightest. You know, you're more than happy for you to enjoy the benefits of what I've got and, you know, and, and we can we can spend together, we can enjoy, but you will never tell me not to risk our money. You know, you will never tell me what to do or what not to do. Now, obviously, as I've gotten older, I maybe not be as utterly risk-taking as I would have been back then. You know, I might not do, I might not lose the house that we live in right now, but I'd happily risk losing everything everything else around it. And so I think for me, it's been important to have have the right partner who is is tolerant of that, but also, you know, like I say, the lack of ego for me that I know that kind of I make the money, the money doesn't make me. And, and look, I'm, I'm obviously going to be probably in a better mood if I was sat on money than, than the day that uh, I, I've, I've lost it all. But I can still go and hold my head high with my with my mates or the people that matter to me because because I know that ultimately, you know, that, that money doesn't make me, that money doesn't doesn't change me. Um, and I still feel, you call it arrogance or, or whatever, but I still feel confident in, in me uh, whether, you know, whether I've got the money or not. And so I guess going back to probably where you were going with the question, which was how did I how did I recover from the re- recover from the failure, and how did I kind of get up the next day to go back to work? You know, I always say that I don't particularly have a you know a fancy answer or a particularly motivating answer, uh, other than the fact that I didn't have any choice. You know, um, I, I was twenty eight. My wife, uh, I had the ex wife, and I had a one year old daughter, and it was very much for me a matter of well, I can sit at home and I can moan about this. Uh, and it's going to achieve nothing, and you know it's not going to put any food on the table, and it's not going, not going to help help the daughter. Or I can get back out to work and and, and and crack on with it. And yes, you know, I've fallen down the ladder. Yes, I'll eat a bit of humble pie and uh, and and, um, and and have to have to start from square one. But it, again, I wasn't starting from square one because I was I may have had no money, but I had you know seven or eight years of experience and contact base and and, and everything else. So I knew in myself I was going to make the money back, and I was probably going to make it quicker than I did the time before. I think what's really interesting there, and I, I think about it a lot, is it's not necessarily even the money, it's the skills you acquire and the network of people you acquire to get the money in the first place. Like if that's all gone, you still have all the skills and the network in the first place. It was easy for you to get back there much quicker and you've learned the lessons and the trials and tribulations for you to get there. After coming out of that, what was the what did you do in terms of businesses from there in terms of like, like okay, well, this chapter's gone, like, out the leisure industry and strip clubs and all that fun stuff. What what do I do next? How did you handle that thought process? Well, when I was, I mean, I needed to do something that wasn't particularly capital intensive at that point because um, I didn't have any, <laughs> uh, and uh, and also it wasn't a great climate to be to be raising any money in either. 
So my initial, I guess my initial plan was simply just to get some income and I guess effectively sell my skill set, sell my time for for some cash. And before the leisure had gone under, uh, I was already doing a bit of lending and a bit of finance broking. And that, that was a business that I'd, I'd slipped into by, uh, I guess, by accident, really, that having spent so much time raising money for my own businesses, uh, you know, some of my friends or peers who had similar businesses or or businesses that were in sectors that struggled to raise money, that I, I kind of became the go-to guy of, oh, you know, Matt, you know, Matt from Leeds who can who can raise money from people we don't even know exist, you know, for quirky situations. Never particularly huge amounts of money. It might have been 25 grand here, 50 grand there and growing. Uh, but I'd, I'd started a bit of a finance brokerage, you know, before the businesses went, uh, went into bankruptcy. And I then kind of carried on with that af- afterwards. I wouldn't even particularly say it was a thought-out plan that you know that this is this is where my future is going to be in chapter number four. It was just more the fact of I needed to make some money. That was a, you know that was a skill set I had, and it was a, it was a it was a pretty high margin business that I you know that I could crack on with on my own. And then that that I guess effectively naturally developed to, you know to, to where we are today. That I went from finance broker to to lender. Um, obviously in a much smaller way. I mean, you know, I've been lending again for the last probably 10 years. And, you know, if you go back 10 years ago, I probably had a, a total portfolio of a hundred grand and I'm making, you know, 10 grand loans. And then I find another investor. So we maybe had 250 grand and we're making 20 grand loans. And as, as, as time's gone on, um, you know, we, we've, we've grown that investor base and we've grown that access to capital. Um, and, you know, if, if you look at where, where we are today, I mean, the lending book's about 60 million quid. Uh, and I've lent over 500 million to you know to businesses in the UK over, over the last 10 years, and it's really just been, um, I guess, just a, an accumulation and, and com- compounding of of, of, of a, applying the same you know the same models, you know, the same logic. I mean, obviously, our lending model is it's not that our lending model is different to, to to what anybody else does, but probably our, our attitude to lending. And you know, I in the early days we had to. It, it wasn't a well thought out PR stunt that um, I was. Going to say I was a borrower before I was a lender. I'm a business owner, not you know, I'm a business owner, not a bank manager. But I kind of had to do that just to just to own my problem at the time because obviously I had some bad Google around me from you know from from, from what had happened, and uh, you know, there was no point really trying to hide it. I haven't really more had to put my hands up and say yes, I fucked up. But you know, I'm sorry I fucked up. However, uh, the you know these are the the skill sets I've learned along the way, and now let me use those skill sets to, you know to make you better um, and to, and to, and to make my my businesses better. So we kind of accidentally um, started to I guess sell off my you know sell off the back of my my background and my backstory, and now that very much has become. The, uh, the 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 whole ethos of the businesses that that we're involved in that you know I've I've had a 25 year career of of problems and making mistakes and high, high, highs and lows but I always, I always say uh, and I don't think it's ever anywhere truer than in lending that you don't learn anything from the things that go right you only learn things you know, from the things that go wrong because you know when something goes right. It just goes right. Okay, you, if you want to have the arrogance to say that's that's vindicated your you know uh, your your plan and it went right because you had this great plan, well then fine. But you don't really know that's what happened. But when something goes wrong, it's very easy to then look back and say, well, why did it go wrong? These are, you know these are the steps that have gone wrong along the way. Um, and I always say that you know our, our customers or you know people that want advice or people who want me to invest in their businesses, they they don't have the answers to the questions. 
or they don't know how to deal with the problems because they've never been there before. And unfortunately, most of the problems that these people have, they're probably once in a lifetime, you know, they are once in a lifetime problems. Um, and I seem to have had quite a lot of once in a, once in a lifetime problems over the last 25 years. So, um, so that's, uh, that, that's, that's kind of how, how, how I monetize that skill set. So there's obviously a lot of like learning experience that's come from the problems you've had. One of the things you mentioned, which was interesting with regards to managing finances and a partner and business and partner, what have you learned with that over the years? Like, and in terms of how do you segregate the two, if that makes sense? How do I segregate the finances? So say you mentioned before in terms of um, keeping your partner out of the finances in terms of her involvement. Because I think it's very easy sometimes, particularly if shit's hitting the fan for someone, their partner gets in the area and it throws their head in terms of decision-making of what they should be doing. Um, how... Going to say, I'm, I'm I'm trying to trying to think of how I would put that into in, in, into into formal advice. Um, I mean, for me, it's just always been very much a, this. This isn't even on the table as a, as, as some, something to discuss. You know, I say, you know, I don't know. Take Elena, my you know, my, my current partner. I mean, what's that current partner? My 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 partner for now in the future. I mean, look, we met two years ago. You know, when I'm was I was 40 and she was 25 or 26, you know, with the greatest of respects, I'm not going to sit down with you and start start working through my bank balances and assets and businesses and and, 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 and whatever, you know. Um, and and I really kind of it just is that simple for me, you know. If if you want something, ask me, and I'm sure I'm sure we've got the money and and you can have it. If the answer is it doesn't suit me, then it doesn't suit me. But I just you're not in a position to start dictating to me how I run my businesses or how you know we we spend our personal money. Now everyone's going to have their own view on that. And but that's that's just, that's just my view, and I, I think look if you've been if you've been together since you're 18 years old, and you know you've been you've been a Mister and Mrs team since then, and you know you've had kids together and you've had a plan, and she's always made the house good and always brought the kids up, and you've been out to work every day, um, then that's a different story, you know. You know, okay, it's someone who wants to be negative about it will say, well, you know, you've he's earned 100 million and she's just raised the kids, you know, you could have hired someone to do that for 500 grand, but I don't think that that's not a fair answer, you know, if, you, if you've really both started from from the bottom then you've both started from the bottom but I think when I come into a relationship or when somebody else comes into a relationship you know from a a, a superior uh, if you like position of wealth um, and you know and, 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 a, and a different backstory then then you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to um, discuss it with them and that's that's how I sit for my personal life but when I look at businesses that have got problems or businesses that have failed that we've looked to support you know Many many times they failed because because the business sorry because the personal partner of the person looking to borrow the money you know wouldn't wouldn't do something like I don't know sign a personal guarantee or or give or give a charge over over a house you know or a family asset or whatever. Now again, I can't speak for everybody's individual circumstances at that point, but if we talk about me right now, if I want to give charge over my house and I'll give a fucking charge over my house and I'm, so, I'm sorry I'm sorry Elena or you know whoever it is for that person in that situation it's not for you to discuss and if I lose the house and you therefore want to leave me then fucking leave me you know bit, you know if you only came with me for the money then fine you know but um, it just yeah I mean it's not a particularly complex or deeply thought out answer but you, you know what I mean I just think if, if, if someone's if someone isn't bringing you know that to the table, and they they just don't have the right the, you know the right to get involved. And I think 
it's very important. I always say you either got to have the right partner or no partner. Otherwise, you will find big success in business. But never mind business, in anything, very, you know, very, very difficult, if, if not impossible. Uh, I think you know, it's the same whether you're a business owner, whether you're a, a you know, a, a top performing athlete or, 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 or anything really. You know, when, when you need to be able to keep your head down and concentrate on, on, on the task in hand, you know, without, without someone pecking in your ear. Do you think men would be more successful to be single than be in relationships? I mean, if if I, if I had to, if I had to give a let's say a a, a not deep answer, I'd say yes. Uh, the reason I say not deep answer is because look, if we're going to go deep on it, it's going to depend on the right person and, and everything. But I think in the main, the reason that I'd say yes to the answer is because most people are in the wrong relationship. Uh, you know, if people were in the right relationships, then maybe the answer wouldn't be that you should be single. You know, you, you, you should be in the, right, in the right relationship. Because I think in the same way that, you know, you can go further with a business partner, if it's the right business partner, you can probably go further with the right romantic partner as opposed, as opposed to being single because they can bring you some balance, they can bring you some support, you know, you can, you can help each other in, in, in different ways. But the reality is most people don't have the right partner and, and that partner at home, uh, you know, whether it's a man or whether it's a woman, is, you, you're bringing each other down, you know, you're, you're, you're making each other's life shit. So, so yeah, really, uh, it's just a distraction from, uh, from, from being successful in whatever it is you want to be successful in. 100% agree. One thing that I've seen from the outside you seem to do very well is managing your personal relationships and um, working very long hours of business, like you said, like you normally work till 9pm at night. How do you structure that in terms of like a week for anyone listening, like comparative, because people like to learn from people who've done very well. Is that using you... You have certain nights you spend a week with Elena, or how, how do you tend to structure that? You know, I mean, we have had to discuss it a little bit more uh, lately because, you know, I mean, Elena causes me no grief in ninety nine percent of of our relationship, and I, I, really, I really couldn't ask, ask ask for anything better. You know, we, 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 you know, she lets me get on with what I want to get on with. You know, she, she, she's good fun. You know, she she'll allow my inappropriate jokes and banter and, and whatever. So I really can't complain. I guess you know the different difference between me and her is I love being on my own. And she loves she loves being with people, and obviously, and by people, you know, she loves being with her partner, who <laughs> who who she, who she chose to be with. So we do sometimes have a have a bit of a balancing act issue that if it was up to her, she'd spend twenty four seven with me. You know, uh, I mean, literally all day, every day. And if it was up to me, I could lock myself in 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 the office for the next month and and, and never come home. But I guess so. The way I tend to plan my day here, uh, I say here because obviously we, we're we're in Dubai, but I work I work. Um, not so much just UK hours, but I work UK UK business. Uh, I'll get up at eight, you know, quarter to eight, eight o'clock in the morning, uh, which I know I'm sure lots of people listening to this will think it's not very early because obviously there's this macho alpha thing about you know you've got to get up at you know four o'clock in the morning, but it just doesn't suit me because I like to be up late at night. So I get up at quarter to eight, eight o'clock. If anything, I'd like to get up later to be honest, but then I think I am eating into the day too much. I'll go and work out. Uh, it's probably you know an hour, an hour and a half. And then I'll come home, have some breakfast with Elena, you know, do a few emails, you know, kind of potter around the house and hang out with her for a bit until maybe 11.30. And then I'll get on with my day because 11.30 is half eight in the UK. Uh, and I'll start to work with England. I'll start to work work on, on my on my Dubai stuff. And then I'll work through until, you know, eight, eight or nine o'clock at night. And it might then be a dinner with friends or it might be a business dinner. Typically, I mean, there's not many dinners I go out to where Elena wouldn't be coming. I mean, if it was... 
I don't know if it was a completely new investor meeting that was going to be a hundred percent business talk, then yeah, sure she wouldn't come. But if it was, you know, if it was networking type meetings, you know, I'd, I'd be more than happy for her, her to come to most of those with me. You know, maybe she'll, if, if I've got a bit of time in the day, she'll bring me a bit of lunch or something. Um, but um, but yeah, we just, just try and do it like that. And look, it's not it's not perfect for either of us uh, and she she'd like to have have a bit more time with me but so, you know something somewhere somewhere always always does have to give doesn't it and uh, i guess that's, that's she's got a baby now she's got a, a mini a mini mat to re, a mini mat to replace me but um yeah i mean i, I don't know i can't give a perfect answer i always say uh, you know, when it comes to balancing things, I don't really think uh, I I like to try and balance because I think you know, by, almost like by definition, balancing means you've had to give up something to get something else, and I just kind of feel that like I just do what I want because you know b- b- because it feels right. And I guess almost you know, prime example now to talk about is you know, like you mentioned at the beginning, I had I had a new baby three days ago. Um, but I mean, we had the baby on on Sunday. I've been joking, saying that you know she's a perfect kid because she knew she had to come out on a Sunday, so so as not to uh, not to in- interrupt the working week. Uh, but you know, baby came on Sunday, and I woke up on. I went home to sleep on Sunday night. Left Elena and the baby in hospital, and I woke up say eight o'clock on Monday morning. Went into the hospital to go and see the baby, have a bit of um, have a bit of breakfast, and hang out with them till say ten ten thirty. And then I was off and back. It was back to work and back to normal for me, and back on the phone and stuff. But that's because I guess that's really what I wanted to do. I could sit with Elena and the baby, but you know, the baby sleeps twenty three hours a day. You know, obviously I love touching her and kissing her or whatever, but you know, I've got a. I don't really think I'm missing out on much. Now this is just my call. It might be wrong for somebody else, but I'm not missing out on much by you know by not just being sat there in the house looking at a Moses basket you know on 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 a, on a kid that kid that's asleep. Elena's happy as Larry because she you know she's playing with the baby and feeding her feeding her every two hours, uh, and I get on with my day. And I just think you know, I've then been at work yesterday. And I thought you know what. I'm going to pop home for an hour uh, because I want to go and see the baby. I want to go and check on Elena. And uh, I think yeah, I just kind of try and I don't balance. I just do what feels right at the time. Go with the gut. Yeah. Something that I think is really t- true is that it's um, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I think networking is obviously one of the core skills that's fundamental to your business. Is that something you've developed over a period of time? And how do you actively look to develop your network? Um, I mean, yeah, I've developed it over time, whether or not a particular, I mean, anyone who knows me always talks about how good I've always been as a networker, whether that was done consciously, you know, say 20, 15 years ago or not, or whether, whether networking with strippers, (laughs) I mean, that, 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 that did always help to, uh, you know, to, 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 to get people to a meeting. Um, but no, I mean, whether or not I kind of consciously knew what I was doing back then, or it was just something I was kind of naturally good at at building relationships. Um, but no, look, nowadays I make a, you know, I mean, I always say probably 30, 40% of my day, uh, or my overall time is spent networking or spent building my network. And, you know, I I do that as a combination of with specific individual people that I'm probably already doing a bit of business with or already know that I'm going to do some business with and I want to, you know, to kind of keep bonding with that relationship or I'm just kind of casting the net out to, to people who are potentially good to be in my network uh, because you know they're, they're going to bring some value in some kind of way, whether it's financial or whether it's just you know a great person to have, to have to have in my network. And I guess you know my my top tip for anyone anyone networking, 
because networking always comes with such a bad name. But I say it comes with a bad name because you're doing it wrong. You know, it's like anything. I guess you know, if, if you if you don't like, you say I don't like exercise. Well, maybe that's because you just row all the time and you don't like fucking rowing. You know, go 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 and find go and find something something that you do like to do. But um, for me, I very much uh, pick my targets. I kind of don't like using the word target. It sounds a bit mercenary, but you know, I'm not going to randomly go to some some BNI breakfast, you know, where everybody's you know swapping business cards and, and, and for, forcing, forcing uh, you know, almost like forcing inverted commas opportunities on each other. You know, I I'll, I I will have kind of two kinds of people I want to want to network with. One will be specific people that I know that there is something I can do with them. So. Uh, it might be uh, someone who sold a business that I know could be a good investor for me, or it might be I don't know you know a, a particular funder or or you know some, someone in a line of business that's got you know direct relevance to what I do. But then I also just like to grow my network with other high caliber people. You know whether whether that's people with money or people with uh, a story to tell or people with influence or or, or 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 whatever it may be, because I know that having them in my network, having them around me will ultimately either lead me to meet somebody else who's great and hopefully will lead to, lead to some business and, and some financial reward. But worst case, just will enrich my life in some way that, you know, I've got another cool person around, you know, someone that's intelligent to talk to, some, you know, someone, someone to pick the brains off. So I'm very careful about how, how, how I pick the people. And then I, you know, I like to create circumstances uh, that, that I'm in control of, really. You know, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put events on, you know, like you, know, you say you came, came on the boat recently. I mean, that's something I've started doing in Dubai now. We're probably, you know, 10 or 11 weeks into that where I'll, I'll put a dinner on on the boat, you know, <laughs> dinner, drinks. I'll invite four or five people down. I get them to bring, you know, a, a plus one or, or a plus two. So I, I then get to spend a bit of time with the four or five people I've invited and then get to meet four or five or six or seven other people that I know will be a decent kind of person because it's it's the plus one of somebody that I've already pre-vetted as a decent kind of person. You know, I, and, and I do all that with kind of no agenda other than wanting to, wanting to meet, meet good people. Everybody on the boat gets to meet each other. You know, the, the, in the last 10 or 12 weeks or whatever of doing this, there's already people who've met met each other and done some business or met each other and known that they've met someone who, who's, who's going to lead on onto another relationship. So you know, the benefit for me is, you know, I... I get the kudos of of being being the the introducer, connector. You know, the, 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 the 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 connector. Uh, you know, it's it's a bit it's a kind of a captive environment because um, you know it's it's Matt's night on Matt's boat. So again, that that that, that already gives me, you know, I, I, I guess, a, a better a better kudos than than you know just taking taking a few people out for dinner. Um, and you know, so like I said, I pick the people, I control the environment, and I go in with no expectation other than to you know add some value and have have a good time. I mean, the final thing I'd say on that matter, because I know people listening to this will be saying, "Well, that's a great story," but you know, I've not got a boat, and uh, you know, I, I haven't got the, the the money to to do it the way you do it. Well, two things I'll say. One is, I always look at networking as an investment, not an expense. Um, so you know, there'll have been times that I kind of inverted commas can't afford to do something. Uh, well, you, I don't know. You, you might say I've taken a taken a guy out for a for a five grand event or, or or something we think well i haven't got five grand to spend on that but i'm looking at that five grand as an investment because i know i know that you know, what that guy's capable of doing further down the line um you know could, could pay off in spades so you know that's one thing you know don't look at investment as a, as a sorry don't look at networking as a cost look at it as an investment but secondly 
it's all relative to you know, to, to where you are in your business and in, in, in your life. And 20 years ago, I couldn't be, you know, taking people on boats. But what I always could be doing is doing fun and different things. And nobody wants to meet for a fucking coffee in Starbucks, right? But for the same price as a coffee in Starbucks, you could be taking some people on a hike or taking them paintballing or taking them on a, a gym session or, you know, get, 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 get in the boxing ring or, or whatever it may be. And all of these things are just something different and, you know, where, again, you, you've arranged it, you've controlled the environment, but you've got, you know, you've got people outside of the comfort zone and, the, and they're going to, and they're going to remember you a lot more and you're going to de develop a much deeper relationship than if you just sat there, you know, having a coffee or, or, or having a lunch or dinner. I 100% agree. And I think people's guards tend to drop a lot in that respect because I think people are quite like shielded. I think one of the things that's important that most people don't realise is that, a lot of people's success is down to their awareness of what's around them. They've only got this small field of awareness. The more people you know, more different people come into your network, the bigger that awareness comes and the bigger you can see opportunities and potentially icebergs in front of you you're about to, to collide with. And I think that's an important thing that people don't think of enough. Well, I, th I think, you know, uh, another way to look at it is that unless you are, we're talking about the, the one in a billion problems, you know, whether that's a problem or a business, and you, you know, we talk about, sort of visionaries like an Elon Musk or something. Take that out of the equation. Other than that, every problem you've ever got, every question that you're ever answering, somebody's always, somebody else has already solved that problem and somebody else has already answered that question. Your job is just to get around as many of those. Find that person. And find, that, find that person or find people like that per person uh, you know, to, 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 have, to have around you. And, you know, every, every day, you know, whether it's for me personally or whether it's for guys, you know, guys in my team, guys in my office, you know, we have problems. And, you know, eight times out of 10, I was like, hang on a minute, you know, like we've got an issue with Shopify. Well, you know what? I, I, I was at lunch last week with a guy who's, you know, got a billion dollar Shopify store. Let me give him a call. I'm sure his team's a lot more experienced than my team. Let me ask him a question or you know, whatever, the, whatever the relevant thing is. And um, like I said, every question has already been answered. You've just got to find those people. There's a saying I like, and it's a who, not how. And that's something I try to think of a lot. It's like when I'm stuck with something. It's almost where some of my business are at the moment. I'm trying to find who's the next person you can fix some of the challenges we have and remove the blocks. And I think too many people get too much focus in the process rather than just trying to find someone who can just be like, you need to do these one, two, three things and then off you go. Because I think too many people go off on a, a tangent trying to work things out themselves. When if they just, all I've done the last few years is try and find the next person to get me up the ladder, pay them to coach me to get to be, get through whatever it is and you get to where you want to be much quicker. I think, you know, similar vein to what we've both been talking about as well, but as a, as a quick tip or takeaway for anyone listening or watching, is always ask for introductions and always always ask for, for referrals because again, you know, mo every everybody normally wants to help you. You know, every, particularly maybe not in England. <laughs> I agree <laughs> with that. <laughs> but let's say if we're in Dubai, every, every, everybody's helpful uh, and everybody wants to see you succeed. And every successful person knows other successful people. And even aside from successful people, everybody kind of knows somebody. And and if you if you say to somebody, oh, can you introduce me to someone who does this? Or is there anyone that you think I should be meeting? As simple as that sounds. You just imagine you're making 20, 30 phone calls a day. And you and during those phone calls, when it's relevant or appropriate, you say to each of those people, by the way, before I go, anyone you think that you should introduce me to that, you know, that's, that's kind of relevant to what I'm up to. Even if 50% of them say yes, and 50% of that 50% 
actually lead, you know, lead to someone worth meeting. There's still five new people a day that are, that, that are, that are coming into, into, your, into your network, and it really, it really is that simple. I think if, you, if, if we listen back to this whole, this whole podcast and the, whole, the conversation we've had, you know, I've, not, I've not been speaking any rocket science here. You know, it's just everything is, 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 is simple principles. It's just that, you know, I guess until you know it, you don't know it. I think the big thing I see from you is you, you do it consistently every single day. Like I don't, you don't take four days off where you don't do anything, I'm presuming. Um, very rarely, because mainly just because I don't want to. Because Enjoy it. because I, I love everything I do. Now that's not to say I don't get tired at some point, and you know, and you know, there's been times lately where I've been going, oh, I'm jiggered. You know, I can't I can't wait for a, a day off here or a, a couple of days on the beach with with, with a book. I say it. But even when I then start to do it, I probably just need three or four hours just, you know, just cl- close my eyes in a darker room, watch a bit of telly, put the, you know, put the phone on Do Not Disturb, and then I'm refreshed and I'm, I'm, I'm back on with it anyway because I only really do things that I love to do. And that doesn't mean they're not tiring. It doesn't mean they're not risky and they're not full of stress. But, you know, you, know, you only really get properly depleted and worn down if, you, if, you, if you've got a life of doing, you know, doing stuff you don't like, whether that's your job, your, your missus or, or whatever it may be. But, you know, if you, if you love the stuff you're doing, look, it's not going to be easy necessarily, but uh, it's, it's, it's certainly going to, uh, you know, going to give you energy as opposed to consume energy. 100%. One of the things you've made a, a big pivot and shift in your life is getting into fitness. I was like joking with you beforehand, looking at some of your old podcast thumbnails. <laughs> How has that impacted your life now when you, when you look back comparatively? Um, it, gives, it gives me more energy, definitely. I mean, look, you know, it's funny because uh, I've got to be careful how I say this now. You've been looking at my, at my puffy face. But, you know, I, I, I never, I mean, I never saw myself as horrendously out of shape or, 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 or a particular fatty. I mean, I, you know, I'd, I'd kind of, I had always worked out. Uh, I mean, literally even in those puffy face photos, you know, I, I was still going to the gym and doing stuff. Then I think it was probably my diet, my diet that was worse than than my than my lack of exercise was. But I mean, I, I can't advocate enough for fitness. Uh, you know, for 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 anyone in any, in any walk of life, and I think you know. It's, when when your body's better, your your, your mind's better. You know, you you feel better. You look you look better. Um, you know, people people respect you more when you when when you're not fat and and and, and lazy. Um, and I think it's a it's a great cheer upper. It's a great antidepressant. I, just, I, I think um, I think you just cannot overstress you know that the, the the benefits of fitness and exercise. I mean, I I try and I try and force it onto some you know some key members of my team back in the UK I mean when people come to you know, stay with me and work with me out here I kind of drag everyone down to the gym and stuff and it's a it's a, a bit easier to do when you know when I'm next to them but when you know when I'm 3,000 miles away listen, if they're not bought into it they're, 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 they're not bought into it but you know ultimately even the people who fight it in the beginning normally come around to the to the agreement and acceptance of the of, of the fact that you know it's impossible not to feel better after exercise than than, than, it, than it is before and you know you can you can really go and you know have a have a whole new gusto to the rest of your day. And I think that's where a lot of people get um, the wrong conception with fitness. Where they need to think about people think of fitness and health as a finite game that ends, and it needs to be thought of as an infinite game. Because when you think about it, ends ultimately when you die. So the goal is to stay in the game for as long as possible. And the more you look after your body, the better you're going to feel, the better you're going to look, the younger you're going to look, the less your joints are going to be smashed and. If you look at the main reason most people die of quote unquote old age is they they fall over, they break the hip, and then they die of some complication in hospital. Which, again, that shouldn't happen. That process if you keep yourself very fit and strong. I think that you know my my advice to anyone as well is to find exercise that you, that you like because as much as 
you know, I do all the exercise I do and people might look at me as, you know, kind of, you know, properly into my fitness. I wouldn't say I'm a fitness guy. I just, I, I do the exercises that I enjoy doing and I, and I know the benefits of doing it, but you won't get me doing anything I don't like doing. So, you know, you're never going to find me in a spin class. You're never going to find me in a, in a, in a, in a rowing machine competition or something because I just don't enjoy those things. I love paddle tennis, you know, I, 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 uh, we need to play. Yes, we do. You know, I love, you know, I love playing football. I'm utterly terrible at it, but you know, love, love that run around, you know, love boxing, love, love normal tennis. Uh, so for me, you know, I guess like we were saying about, about the work that I, I enjoy what I'm doing. So it's not, you know, it's not stress doing that. I, I just put into my diary fitness activities that I want to do. And then I just, I just, I just want to do them. So I think you know, people always say, "What's the best exercise?" And I think the best exercise is the one you like the best because it, because it's the one you're going to stick at. It's, it's, it's the one, the one that's going to be consistent. And I don't know, you might, someone might tell me that it can burn more calories rowing than you are running. But if I don't like rowing, it might, you know, I'm, I'm going to give up after two days, aren't I? So um, I think you know, find, find something you like. Even if, even if you've got to start with walking. I mean, and, and a, a big. Part of, part of my shift happened around the COVID time when I was doing uh, you know doing a lot of walking because I didn't, didn't really have any other choice to do anything else. But you know, I like to have a walk at night, you know, listen to a podcast, reply to some WhatsApp messages, and and yeah, if if that's where you've got to start, start there. But you know, don't don't overcomplicate it. I would agree with that 100. Adherence is the key. The my opinion, running is actually probably the worst thing most people can do to lose weight, and I'll explain why. Is the fact that if you're overweight, chances are you're very heavy, so your joints are going to hurt and you probably can't run very far. Therefore, we won't burn many calories, which is very simple. One last question I want to ask you, Matt. What would be the biggest piece of advice you would give me to be more successful? Biggest piece of advice to give you to be more successful? i put you on the spot. <laughs> probably, probably continue to grow your audience. And work, work, work on your per, work on your personal brand more. I don't mean that in a way that you know there's a there's a there's a problem with it. But I just think ultimately, the, you know, the more people that know you, the more opportunities that that, that will come your way. Like I say you, you've you've put put me on the spot when I'm trying to think of of what of what what's relevant to you. Uh, but you know, in 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 your in your space, like you've you've got you've got a clearly defined business model. You've got products that work for you. You've got proof of concept, and, and people obviously like it. You just need more eyeballs on it. Um, and you know, it it really is that simple. If you, if a million people know you, then you're going to get then you're going to get more results. And if hundred thousand people know you, so I'd just say you know do, can, you know do what you're doing, but but you know but but do it at scale. And you know for anyone you know, with a personal brand, you know realize that that's an investment as well. And you know and put and put money but you know put money behind it. Don't look at it as as the ego of a, of a of a of a an Instagram post or something. You know it's it it, it might be ego as well. But you know if you get if People get to see you on Instagram. If people get to see you on TikTok. You know, put put the put the paid spend behind your content. Um, kind of cross pollinate your content. You know, you, you you can you can repurpose a lot of stuff to get you know to get to get maximum impact. And obviously, you, you know all this anyway. Whether you, if you're doing a video pod, podcast that splits into an audio podcast that turns into a written transcript blog and and all the, all the, all the mini clips. You know, people think it's a lot more complicated than it actually is. But you know, you really cannot. Uh, underestimate the, the the power of a personal brand, and the bigger that brand, the more opportunities that are going to come your way. 
agree. Our thoughts are very much aligned. So that's a good answer. Um, where can anyone find out more about you, Matt, your own podcast, social media? So yeah, I've got a podcast. I've got the podcast, the Matt Haycock show where I, I do uh, long kind of long form interviews like, like this uh, conversations with, you know, great guests and we have celebrities and business owners and, uh, you know, just interesting people who uh, give us some actionable advice by the end of the chat. Uh, you can get me on all things social. I'm uh, the Matt Haycox, T-H-E-M-A-T-T-H-A-Y-C-O-X. And uh, I've got my own website as well, which is matt-haycox.com, uh, where we've got uh, you know a lot, a lot of daily content, blog posts, educational stuff on there as well. I'm very soon to launch a newsletter, so jump on the website, sign up, sign up your email to the newsletter, and, uh, and uh, that'll be another way to find me too. Awesome. Thank you very much. Everyone listening to the podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review, subscribe. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you smash the like button and comment below. And we'll see you next episode very soon. Thank you.